I have a landscape architecture firm. I think it was one of my first memories that I had, must be around three years old. The excitement I had around taking a seed and putting that in contact with the earth and how that actually grows into an actual plant or sometimes in a huge tree, I couldn't grasp my mind around it. I was so amazed about this. And then I just continuously tried to understand how we can actually grow plants, how we can build gardens, how we can have a positive impact on our planet. To say to countries that are actually still underdeveloped, they are still building their economy and they're getting out of poverty. And then going to these countries and telling them, hey guys, you have to stop burning coal. It's very tough to say that because maybe they're going to stay into poverty. Actually, in order for these countries to move ahead into a greener and more sustainable economy, and this might offend some people, but they actually have to burn their coal quicker. I think business is what's going to allow us to take this revolution and make it real. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Baloo, and boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is coming to you all the way from Belgium in the European Union. He is the founder of the incredible, fast-growing company called Paulonia Landscape Architects. He is a deep thinker and an absolute thought leader who is taking the world by storm with his innovative ideas around how to have phenomenal nutrition, how to do the right things for the health of our ecology and our planet, and how to be a caring, loving human being. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Matthew Mayhers. Welcome to the show, Matthew. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Nikki. Wow, that's uh, the most beautiful introduction I've ever heard. Thank you for that. That's really nice. <laughs> I love it. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. I love it, too. Great to have you here. I'm excited that we're doing some work together. Um, you know, it's always an honor to speak to a, a fellow kindred spirit. Um, Matthew, the people who listen to this show listen to this show not because of me, because I'm here every week. They listen because they want to learn from you as our guest expert. These are the men and women with the courage to dream, the courage to take their dreams and turn them into reality as entrepreneurs. And they want to learn from you. They want to hear your heart. They want to hear your experience, your knowledge. But before they can open up to you, they need to get to know you and hear your story. So tell us your story. How'd you get to be the great Matthew Mehuz? Thank you for asking that, Nikki. I love that question. So actually, it all started quite at a very, very young age. I think it was one of my first ever memories that I had, must be around three years old. But I grew up on a family farm. My, my father and my brothers, they are farmers still today. And I still remember the excitement I had around like having seeds. I was like trying to make my own garden. And the fascination I had about taking a seed and putting that in contact with the earth and how that actually grows into an actual plant or sometimes in a huge tree. 
I couldn't grasp my mind around it. I was so amazed about this. And this has actually led me throughout, or this has guided me throughout my life to understand how nature actually works. And from there, all of my things started to grow. So actually, like I said, I, I, it's quite a funny story actually that I can say, but when I was around that age, three, four, five years old, I told my parents, I want to grow my own food. I want to have a small vegetable garden. And they said like, how, oh, why, why you want to do that? Don't bother doing that. But I kept pushing and they, at some point they gave me like a certain area of the garden and I started designing it. I was like completely involved in it. And I thought like I had everything figured out. I was going to grow my own food. And like I planted some radishes. And if you, if you are a gardener, you will know that radishes are like the easiest vegetable to grow. So this was my first huge success. I was growing my own radishes was so fulfilling and i thought like geez this is really easy i'm going to keep growing all other things so what i did was i basically started seeding all kinds of things in my garden and thought like okay amazing this is going to grow i'll come back a couple of weeks we'll be full of vegetables but then obviously you will know what's happened is that <laughs> i come back a couple of weeks later and it's overgrown by weeds i'm like i was devastated i was like what the hell is this and then i just continuously try to understand how we can actually grow plants, how we can build gardens, how we can have a positive impact on our planet. And yeah, I can talk more about my educational background, but everything actually started from that very early age. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, brother, I'm fascinated a little bit. If you wouldn't mind, explain to me why are radishes the easiest vegetable to grow? And what, what is it that if someone is interested in finding out how they can have a little bit of a garden of their own, you know, we're living in crazy times these days. The government, the last few years all over the world has shown us that maybe they don't always have our best interests at heart. And they're putting all these crazy rules and laws in place in terms of what you can grow, how much you can grow and things like that with carbon taxes in Holland and all that sort of thing. So T tell us about radishes. Tell us about growing vegetables. Tell us why all of this is valuable and important because this is where you're really an expert at, right? Yeah, to, to a certain extent, I know how to grow vegetables. Actually, my main pitch is really more about landscape design and landscape gardening. But what I can say is that radishes are just so easy to grow because it's like a very early stage pioneer plant. Like, obviously, it's a cultivated plant because all vegetables are to a certain extent, man-made. They were selected by humans so that they have bigger crops, bigger things. And radish comes from a family of plants that are just, they grow very fast. And they, they, they kind of, because also what I've come to understand about nature is that nature is always regenerating itself, like constantly, even if we destroy nature, we've been doing that for many, many, many years, centuries, but then, there's like yes. a universal power about nature that it can regenerate itself. And that happens actually, if you have the experience in your own garden, probably many people are asking, oh, I like gardening, but I always have this weed problem. Weeds are overgrowing my yeah. garden. And weeds are actually the early stage of plants of nature trying to restore itself. And how it happens to be is that radish is, is kind of part of this family or this group of plants that can regenerate very quickly the soil so i don't know if that makes sense to you or how did how does that totally land? it does totally it lands really beautifully actually so you know 
I think this is an important point to delve into a little bit more, if you don't mind, this whole point about nature regenerating itself. Because we have some people that are out there that aren't really scientists, aren't really farmers with experience like yourself. And they're always making points like, oh, my God, we're going to destroy nature. And listen, no one's in favor of doing stupid things that mess up nature. Let's be clear about this. Don't go doing oil spills. Don't go like doing other stupid stuff that (laughs) pollutes the world. Please avoid all that stuff. But they don't understand that nature is pretty mighty and nature has its own way. Nature was around before we, we were here and nature will probably be around after we are gone. So please get into that a little bit more for us. Yeah, thank you for asking that great question. I think the thing about nature is that it's so resilient that it can always regenerate itself. But obviously, just like any system, it does have its limits. And we can see it in a way that we've been treating the planet for some time like as if it's something that we can dispose or we can just keep uh, polluting or, or putting pressure on it. And it does work to a certain degree. And we've now actually reached an important tipping point where we do have to take action in helping nature to regenerate itself because otherwise we're going to end up in an environment that is going to be very difficult for us to live in. And that is just how nature actually works. It's It's like a pendulum swing, you know? We're pushing the pendulum swing to one way of like exploiting the, the whole planet, industrial farming, oil spills, all these devastating impacts. And then nature is like a pendulum swing. It's going to swing back right at us. And that is uh, bigger storms, uh, extreme heats, uh, extreme cold temperatures, like all of the extremes that's happening now. And like you might be skeptical, skeptical about what if climate change is real or if it's a, a man-made thing or whatever. But in, in essence, it doesn't matter. Just look outside look outside in your own environment, you can see that there is definite changes in the last five to 10 years. Like it's October in, in Europe, we're experiencing still like 25 degrees Celsius, which is like, we're supposed to go into winter and that's not normal. Uh, like it's, it's an obvious proof, like wildfires everywhere. But in a way that is just how nature is actually trying to rebalance the things that we are actually yes. trying to destroy. So it doesn't, I, I, I said that before, like if we don't help nature to restore, it's going to do it no matter what, but it's going to make it very difficult it for us. Itself. Yeah, exactly. It's going to make it, ve- but it's going to make it very difficult for us to be part of that. Just like when, at the time when dinosaurs were, uh, went extinct, after that, the yes. planet regenerated itself, but there was, it was very long and difficult time to to actually live on on the planet so that's what we're heading up if we don't take action you know i i really appreciate you sharing that i think this is a a, a very wise set of words that you bring in because you're bringing it from the point of view of a science and not an ideology because too many people who are having this conversation they're trying to make facts fit their ideology and it's an interesting point, right? Like in Canada, for example, the the person in charge of our government is always talking about how much of an environmentalist he is and how he's trying to reduce pollution and all that. And listen, I'm a, I'm a massive massively in favor of that and making sure our food supply is clean and whatnot, because God knows that we don't always do a good job of that. And believe me, we see it o- over here, and I've seen examples of pollution firsthand. 
Uh, and, and a lot of people like mm. to virtue signal, but they don't necessarily actually want to do the work to clean things up uh, mm. at, at a micro level as well as a macro level. But we look at Canada's contribution to world pollution and we're less than 2%. And the co- the countries that are really contributing to world pollution, global pollution in a big way are China and India, like China and India with their industrialization in the last few years. My God, man, China, I hear there's places in China that are doing a, a new uh, dirty coal plant every day. Hmm. One new dirty coal plant in China every day of the year. Like, I, like that, that boggles the mind. I don't know that Canada has had a new coal plant in the last five years. <laughs> you, know, no. you know what I mean? So these types of questions are, are I think, important for us to look at. But I also think that if the people really care about doing something on a macro and global scale, China and India, as the biggest participants, need to be included in these discussions. If they're mm-hmm. not in these discussions, what are we doing? We're not really making an impact without them participating. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? I, I I really like this because I do have some skepticism about saying like looking across the border and thinking like they're doing better things than ourselves. I think everybody has to stand up for themselves, every country, and try to contribute as much as possible. But then obviously it's clear to look across the borders and also create a global community where everybody's contributing to a to a healthier environment. But I think it's a, it's, it's a bit of something to look at with some care to say to countries that are actually still underdeveloped or, well, they're not underdeveloped in a negative way, but they are still building their economy and they're still building, they're getting out of poverty, uh, especially India, and then going to these countries and telling them, hey guys, you have to stop burning coal. It's, it's very tough to say that because maybe if you say that they're going to stay into poverty. And I had a very interesting perspective from somebody. It was not my own, but I do like it, is that somebody saying, like, actually, in order for these countries to move ahead into a greener and more sustainable economy, they have to, and this might offend some people, but they actually have to burn their coal quicker and they have to go through an industrial revolution just in a must much faster pace than we did it. We like had it over uh, a couple of like 50, 100 years. But like how fast India is moving, they can actually do that uh, in five years. And they are doing it. They are building so much new uh, sustainable uh, economy things, but they still need to like have that early industrial revolution to then move away from it as quickly as possible. So I think... Yeah, we have to support these countries. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think we have to support these countries to move away from dirty uh, energy production. But maybe it's still part of the strategy to actually move faster to get to get to that point. And then in the meantime, all the other countries that actually started the industrial revolution, just like the Western Western world or whatever you can call it. They just have to keep focusing on themselves and have like planting more forests, changing agriculture. Like you might say that your country is only polluting 2%, but you have actually, you're the biggest, are, is Canada the, the biggest or the second biggest land in the world in terms of second surface? Second after, after Russia, we're the second. After biggest. Russia. 
So second biggest landmass, that means that you also have the highest potential to actually reverse climate change. Because where do you think that, how do you think that we can sequester carbon from the atmosphere into the soil, into the earth? How do you think that is possible? You know, that's a good question. You, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm turning the tables a little bit here. But <laughs> I think yeah, that's yeah, a question no, that many question. people are asked yeah. or should be asking. But it's actually through photosynthesis. You've probably heard about photosynthesis. Yeah, of Plants, course. Plants, yes. sunlight uh, going to the earth and then transferring that into, like, it's basically solar energy. But plants can actually capture then carbon, uh, like, carbon dioxide, the, the gas that is in the atmosphere that we don't really like. Yes. And still, there's also some skepticism about blaming CO2 so much because, let's put it that way, if you really hate carbon dioxide, we are, every time we take a breath out, we are emit, emitting carbon, carbon dioxide. Yeah. Yeah. So we just yeah. have to keep our breath, like hold your breath, Nikki, <laughs> and then you're, you're going to be less pollutant for, yeah. the, for the climate. Yeah. But that's... Every animal on Earth has to take that breath, and every animal exactly. on Earth puts out carbon dioxide every yeah. time they're alive. So we kill we kill all the animals, man. That's crazy. No, 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 no. We're not doing that because actually the carbon it's a carbon cycle. It's every time that we exhale carbon dioxide, there's plants that can take up uh, carbon dioxide and put it into CO, which is carbon, which is uh, wood, which is the roots. It's everything that's happening under the under our uh, feet. And then just to refer it again back to your country, Canada, when you have the biggest land, biggest land mass or the second biggest land mass in the world, you have to be the leader in actually changing what we are doing with these soils. What are, how, is your, how is your food production? We have to move away from industrial farming into what's called regenerative agriculture, where you actually focus on taking carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and putting that into the soil where it actually belongs. And this, these are actually the huge opportunities for, for a country like Canada. You know, I really appreciate what you're saying and I'm learning a lot here. So thank you so much for the, for educating me. Cause one of the, one of the little secrets of me doing this is I get a, like, I'm a student, I get a free lesson from <laughs> you know, whoever my guest is, right. They come and they share their wisdom with me. It's like Ray, Ray, Raymond said to me, Nikki, you're going to be the smartest man in, 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 in the business. And I go, what are you talking about? He says, you bring all these top experts on the show and they teach you and you take notes. I go, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, that part's good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be an expert because I'm learning like a little bit about a lot of different subjects, but it's good to hear that. There's good feedback from our mutual friend, Raymond. The thing that's super, super important from that point of view is, is that, um, you know, countries like India, like you say, in five years can burn through the coal more quickly. And I think that's good. I think India is very uh, focused on making sure they do something. I'm a little bit more concerned about China, to be honest with you, ma mainly because I think that, you know, the China is, let's, let, let's face it, is not a democratic country. It's a, it's a tyranny and the people at the top can do whatever they want to do and usually do. And sometimes they don't necessarily... Um, seem to care as much about doing the right thing as about doing the expedient thing mm. uh, uh, as far as and, and I'm not talking just about the environment I'm talking about in general when it comes to life mm. and, and some of the decisions they make they're not necessarily done from the point of view of what's best for all of us as a, as a human family but but maybe what's best for the Chinese government right <laughs> right now and I think that Canada can do some things 
I just think that it's important to have conversations with people like you who are uh, not ideologues, but are actual lovers of the earth, lovers of people, lovers of humanity, lovers of all, all the beings that we have, and want to make this a great place for us all to be able to uh, live in and, and to, to benefit from. So thank you for that piece. So let's switch gears and move into <laughs> what you are doing in, in terms of the work that your fabulous company is doing uh, and why you're so passionate about it, why you think it's so important. So let, let's move into that direction now, Matthew. Yeah, thank you. So I could talk, well, I have several businesses that I'm working on, but my, my well, it's changing constantly, but my current core business is that I'm a, a, I have a landscape architecture firm. So what we do is we help people to actually build their dream project. And it doesn't matter if you have like a small backyard garden or you have a bigger estate or whatever it is. What we do is like we try to understand what do you want to achieve with your property? Do you want something that is beautiful for nature? Do you want to organize events? Do you like we're getting into like the details of what the owners or the users or the community even uh, wants to do with it. And from there, we then move into, okay, how is that actually going to look? How can we design that? How do we plan that? Where are we going to plant? Which type of plant? So it's a real like complete process then from going into, well, we start, like I said, we start with a deep analysis of understanding the current situation of each and every property even yes. farmland as well and to then from that analysis understand how we can actually get the most potential out of that land and what it means the most potential that can be different for each and every user but then we move ahead again and we put that into a plan we make an actual master plan oftentimes i i, I like i'm a big fan of sketching i always take like each and every new project i print a huge plan I have this like uh, transparent paper and I start sketching and then ideas come, ideas come and then it turns into like a, a master plan uh, and then we move it again ahead into all other detailed plans that are actually needed to, to build it, to construct it. And then we have partners, contractors that, that we partner with to actually execute it so that people can build their dream project. So that's the core business of, of the landscape firm, but then I also teach, or I would say more, I empower people to do it themselves. I have a, a program where I teach people that I, I take them through all the most important things so they can actually do it themselves. And that's been getting a lot of traction because I feel on a global scale, because we have clients all over the world, that there's a certain need or a certain desire for people to actually become a creator themselves and create their own dream project and it's very empowering for people to have like a like i said even if it's a small backyard garden to say like okay i really want to learn how i can make something that i have created myself how how it looks and how i can actually plant it design it so yeah that's that's in a nutshell what i'm working on I like you talking about this because, listen, why do you think right now there's such a desire among so many people to create a, a garden, to create a space with plants and nature and 
and have a, a you know a little bit of a, of a of an urban farm or even maybe even mm. a, a a a farm of their own that's not urban it's in the suburbs or or in farm country there's mm. people who've never been farmers they're not like you and your family who have a background in this but they're being drawn to this and i think in bigger numbers than we've ever seen why is that well i think there's a lot of and I've, that's a question i've been uh, thinking about as well and I think there's a few aspects that have actually changed. Probably COVID has been a high impact. And actually, I can talk about it from my personal experience. Like my mother, she used to, well, she still has a business that is helping, like, or it's it's a summer camp for children. So it's at the beach here in Belgium. And that business that, was been, that had been running quite good. And then COVID came, COVID hit. Uh, everything had to stop. No, no more uh, summer camps for children. The whole business was on hold, and my mother was already interested about gardening and all these things. And then she m made like a shift. Like, actually, I wanna, I wanna stop my other job, or at least like uh, delegate most of the work there, and I wanna become a full-time gardener. And she now on the farm is actually a, a flower farmer. She produced, we produce like organic flowers, and she loves to do this. And then we sell it off the farm. So that's just a specific case where you can see like people just want to be more in contact with nature and experience something that is that is about growing things. I think that's one aspect. The second one I'd see is that all of our jobs are actually getting automated. So many jobs. I see so many people that have like a nine to five job. They're getting a well, they're getting a good pay, but they only actually have to work like four hours a day. Like I see many people like they do have like a full-time job but in, and they're home officing, but they have so much uh, extra time. And then it's like, okay, what do I'm going to do? Well, maybe I'm going to become a, a gardener and, and start my own garden, grow my own food. Um, and that I think that trend is only going to continue because we have AI, more robots that are taking over lots of jobs. And you might be skeptical about it, but I, I'm not because the more of these boring jobs that people hate to do are going to be taken over by AI and robots, the more people can actually do things that are fulfill fulfilling and have a positive impact on our, on our climate and our planet. So I think that's already two main reasons why, why it's taking more traction of people actually moving into something about gardening, growing, farming. And then yeah, a third, probably very important aspect is that people are also sick of having food that is poisoned, that is not good for their health. And um, they're just like, I'm done with going to, to, a, to a supermarket or anywhere where you have like low quality food. I'm actually going to grow it myself. And then that's another big aspect. Also, lots of revolutions in in and technology about growing sustainable ecological food that that people are jumping on you know these three points that you made that uh covid and lockdowns accelerated the trend of people wanting to get back to nature and getting connected to nature and then the whole automation revolution the ai revolution and robots taking over jobs so creating time in people's uh, lives that they can actually go and explore things they're more passionate about, as well as this importance of uh, having 
a uh, understanding that many of the foods that are available in uh, conventional mainstream restaurants and, and, and supermarkets and so forth are not as healthy as we've been led to believe. And one way to ensure that the food that you're consuming is healthy is to grow a bunch of it yourself. So these three trends, I think, are accelerating for people a desire to learn more and know more about this whole uh, area and arena of farming, of, of being connected to nature, of wanting to do things that are in keeping with our ecology. You know, people say to me, Nikki, well, you're a businessman. Maybe you're you're not one of these people that believes in in like having a healthy environment. I go, are you crazy, man? I'm <laughs> I'm the most health conscious person you're ever gonna meet. Like <laughs> I I want I want my food to be the cleanest. I don't want it to be taken through garbage and things like that. But just because I'm a businessman doesn't mean uh, you know that I'm against uh, having a clean environment. In fact, quite the opposite. I think smart mm. business people like us who who have our own businesses and we're attempting to grow them, we are appreciate the beauty of having a pristine environment more than anybody else. Mm. We're just maybe not uh, ideologically aligned with the people who want to use that as an excuse to wipe out business because I think business is what's going to allow us to take this revolution and make it real. And I really appreciate, Matthew, what you're doing because what you're doing is you're bringing new thinking to an old problem. And I don't know if you remember when you and I first met at the event uh, that, that that I did, I talked about there were there was a Venn diagram with uh, three circles, right? The first circle is people. Mm. At, at, at the end of the day, all of life is about people. Life is a people game, not a numbers game, right? And then we said the next thing was problems. Everybody has problems that they want to solve. And the problems that people want to solve are acute problems. These are problems that, oh my God, it's so painful. I got to get rid of it right now. And then finally, there's profit. So where all the three of those diagrams uh, intersect, the circle of people, problems, and profit, that is the purpose of business. Mm. And Matthew, man, you're doing it so beautifully. I'm very high on Matthew Mehuz and your success as you go forward, not just because of who you are, but because I believe you've, you've, uh, you've very cleverly thought of a very important area and you've inserted yourself into it. So I really appreciate what you've said, my friend. Thank you so much. Like Nikki, thank you. That that's really uh, that's some really wise words that I, I connect with very much. And I do have to say, like what what struck me very much is that you said like about, and it's basically what you're doing. Your business is empowering people to actually grow their own business. And in fact, that is what we need. We need more and more people that step up and create their own business, create their own value, so that they can also move away from buying cheap and. Um, unhealthy foods because that's a huge issue and we 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 might say like okay we need to have uh cheap and healthy food for everybody on the planet that might be very um how to say it might be a very positive mindset but we do have to put it that way things that are healthier and that are better produced it's just it is just more expensive than crap (laughs) that is just how it is so we need to actually get people uh, empowering what you do, I think, is a huge impact in empowering people to make a, a better living, so they can step away from from um, what I said. Yeah, I'm repeating myself, but to move away from things that are are bad for their own health. The truth of the matter is that um, 
a, a former business partner of mine once said something to me that he has a policy called the premium life policy. So he lives premium. He calls it live premium. <laughs> and how, how is live premium? What does it look like? Live premium means that, first of all, you, you, you buy premium things. You buy the mm. best shirts, the best pants, the best. I don't know if you can see my shirt here, but it's got gold lettering here. I am an entrepreneur is what it says here, right? <laughs> this shirt, it's a t-shirt, right? It's a t-shirt, right? But you know, this, it's very expensive to put letters like this on a t-shirt, you know, the quality of this cotton, you can feel the difference between this cotton and a regular cotton. This t-shirt costs four times as much as a normal t-shirt. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, Nikki, you could have bought a much cheaper t-shirt. Why'd you pay so much for a t-shirt? Well, <laughs> when I wear this t-shirt, it feels nice. When I look mm. at the words, I am an entrepreneur. It feels it feels good for me that I do it. You know, when I go and and I live in the city that I live in, in, uh, in Canada, it's Toronto, and I live in a neighborhood called The Beach. It's near uh, Lake Ontario, which is a beautiful lake here. It, oh, it costs nice. more to be here. All the things that you want in life that give you a premium sense of, of having a premium life mm. are going to cost in a premium way. So live premium, live premium is a fantastic philosophy. And if you want to live premium, you have to pay premium, you have to expect premium, and you have to behave in a premium fashion. So live premium, mm. I think is a good model for all of us to be thinking about as we look to create a better world and, and better health. Yeah, I love that. I think it's important for people to have a vision, have a dream, and then chase that. And that's that's very important to have that in mind. Yeah. So, Matthew, what you do is very important. It's very powerful. And as we uh, as we move to the final phase of this this interview, please uh, give us a sense of. Um, how a person who is being exposed to these ideas maybe for the first time or the second time can start to think about how to incorporate this both in terms of property they have but maybe maybe they're not they don't yet have property yet maybe they're not yet ready to take this on immediately in their life in terms of their personal property but mm -hmm. how can they apply these principles in how they live day to day whether they have a property they want to do this with or whether they're that's something far in the future i would really appreciate hearing your thoughts on that yeah, thank you for that question. I think there's lots and lots of ways people can actually start taking action today. Like, and I see two big areas uh, that I want to talk about. One is like more about food and health. Obviously, training, like being doing exercise, is a huge thing. But I'm more about okay, what what can what food can you access? So, if you can actually research in your area, if there are regenerative farmers in your area. And that you connect can connect with and actually buy some of their products it's amazing what impact it will have on your personal health but also on the planet because these farmers that are doing practicing regenerative farming it's actually beyond organic because organic is not the solution for for food production it's beyond that and that's regenerative and the word itself the definition means to restore or to regenerate and that's what these farmers are doing so not only you're going to impact your own health because it's much healthier food, you're also going to support farmers that are reversing climate change. They are literally doing that. They are 
farming in a way that takes CO2 out of the atmosphere and puts it into the soil. That's like the first thing I think you, you can do, like be more conscious about your consumption. And then on a more personal level, it really depends on, and that this is probably something you're faced with as well, Nikki, that some people have money, but they don't have time. Some people have time, but they don't have money. So I think there's a scale to it, but let's say that you do have a certain budget and you have some land that you want to do something with it, then it's best to hire a professional landscape architect and just be very clear that you actually want to have a positive impact on the environment. So that's obviously what we are focusing on. And yes. like, even if you, if you like that's this is also a shout out to people that actually have made a lot of money in their life and they don't know what to do with it. They can invest in the stock market. They can do these kinds of things. But I think it's also a huge opportunity to invest in land and regenerate that or help farmers to uh, to to restore the health of our planet. Like one aspect is obviously planting more trees, but it's it's more complex than that. Just planting trees is not going to save our, our environment. That's something I'm sure about. So yeah, shout out to people that actually want to have a positive impact and actually can also make investments that are gonna that are gonna last on the long term. So they're happy to connect with me. And then I think if you're more of a person that is like, okay, I do have some extra time, like I'm saying, many people are are getting more time, and I do have the desire to do it myself to even learn it, then I would suggest that you have to get onto some classes. There's lots of things about, for example, permaculture. You can get a permaculture course. Um, and again, I don't want to make it into something salesy or something, but I'm actually offering a way that you can do it yourself. In like a I have a nine-week program. It's called the Masterclass on how to create the garden of your dreams, where I take people through a journey where they learn all the essentials of actually designing their own garden, of building it, and actually also about maintaining it. So in a nine-week program, they learn the essentials with actually very, well, limited time. They can achieve quite a lot. I've, and I've had, like, I've finished, I'm starting up my second round of people that are enrolling. And with my first people, I had some amazing results. It's really, like, there's so many hidden creative people that actually can design their own thing. So if you if you feel a desire to do that yourself, just get in touch with people that are that, are, that can help you with that. Yeah, yeah. We'll put this information in the show notes so anyone who listens to this and is interested can definitely be in touch with you about that. So, you know, send uh, uh, send a, a link to us and speak the link. We'll make sure that that gets put in. But I tell you, Matthew, um, as you were speaking, two things jumped out at me. I like mm -hmm. this phrase beyond organic, and I think I'm mm -hmm. going to make this the title of the episode beyond organic because I was thinking, hey, what should we <laughs> call the episode? And I like beyond organic. This is good. And Matthew, um, I think we need to create some branding for you around this. The Mehu's method, the Matthew Mehu's method <laughs> of Beyond Organic is powerful. And perhaps that should be the title of your next book that you write about the subject is Beyond Organic. Uh, you know, you know how, to, um, how to optimize your health, uh, regenerate and restore the planet, and live a life of satisfaction and fulfillment. Maybe all of that mm. could be the tagline, but the man, the, 
the Beyond Organic, that's the book. I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it's a fantastic concept. And I'd never thought of Beyond Organic myself before, but you're talking about this regenerative farming. Is It's a thing, and it's, it, it, it's a good thing for people to understand. You want to do things that are regenerating the planet and causing optimal health at the same time. I think you're going to get a lot of people interested in this. Yeah, and actually, the I'm, I'm, method. Yay! Yes, yes. victory. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And actually, I'm going to give you because this regenerative farming it's gaining more and more traction, even though mainstream media will not support that for various reasons. But it's actually getting it to Hollywood. These kind of there's a movie out there, and and everybody has to go and watch it. It's called Kiss the Ground. It's actually an, a, yeah. an explanation also of what I'm saying. And there's a new, there's a second movie coming out already. And it's just going to be more and more about everything that I talked about. So I, I think that's also a great way of people becoming more conscious and aware about uh, that and learning it in a fun way because it's a Hollywood thing. And then even with something so, else know, I want to say, I love, I love the idea, Nikki. Yeah. And lo I love the idea that you said about uh, creating a new book. And I'm actually writing a book <laughs> on the actual things that you mentioned. It's called 12 Universal Laws of Nature, how to get the most potential out of your land. So that's going to come out uh, this year. I'm finishing up that work, so it's, it's going to be very exciting as well. I, I want a signed copy as soon as that comes up. But the next book after that is the Beyond Organic book, man. I think that's going to be great because that's a title that's too good to waste, brother. You got to make sure we use that. It's a, it's a, it's a really really good title, I think. And the uh, the methodology uh, that you're introducing to me, I, I'm blown away by this. I've learned a ton out of this. Uh, I think that everyone who's listening to this, who's concerned about their health, who's concerned about a future for all of us, should. Uh, Pay attention to what you've said and think about it and take some very detailed notes and share it with the people that they love. Um, Matthew, it's been great to have you here on the show. Uh, I want to um, briefly pivot into one thing before we, uh, we wrap up. And mm -hmm. this is, this show is for entrepreneurs. It's about thought leadership. And obviously, uh, they're interested in what you have to say about your area of expertise. But they're also keen on some of your thoughts about how, as an entrepreneur, they can take their own expertise and monetize it and use it mm -hmm. to grow their business. And obviously, you and I are doing some work together to help you get to that level. What would you say would be the most important thing from what you have learned and implemented in your business that my listener can do? If there was one thing that they can do and should do inside their own business, what would it be? Well, there's many, many things that you can do. But if you do have to like boil it down to one thing, it is get help, get a community, get a team. I've actually, I've been working on this idea that I'm telling everybody about. It's my passion since over 10 years. I've been working my ass on it to actually gain traction. And it's only been going speeding up at a, at a very rapid pace where I have more and more clients that want to work with me since I've actually gathered my dream team. I have a, a team of people that support me and they are making the, the impact. So that's also like a shout out to my whole team 
there's Brian, who is my health coach. There's Raymond Aaron, who actually uh, has so much knowledge and you're also familiar with him. You, you actually helped him to get to the polar race. I love that story. Did, There's yeah, you yeah. now that I, that I work with to actually get more clarity on pricing, sales, how we're going to actually uh, perform that I really, really, really appreciate a lot. And I think that's everybody that, that is important for me. And then just networking, getting in touch with people that, that are in your industry. Matthew, I really appreciate you saying that because honestly, that's a powerful reminder for me as well that the importance of the dream team uh, cannot be overstated. You know, the, it, it, you get a dream team together, you will accelerate. My mentor, Mark von Muser, um, who you're going to get to meet uh, pretty soon. Oh, he said this I've been to listening me. to all the episodes from you about him. It's so valuable. Isn't he? He's, he, he's, 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 he's fantastic. Eh? Wow. So he said to me a while ago, he said, there's an African proverb that goes something like this, that if you want to go fast, go on your own. If mm. you want to go far, go with the team. But Mark nice. said, I don't agree with that. I said, you don't? He said, no. He said, if you <laughs> want to go fast and far, go with the team. I'm like, that's good. That's good. That's good. So I think that's a beautiful thing. And in my opinion, um, this is very valuable advice. Matthew, I love interviewing you. We're going to have you back. I mean, you're so good. We're going to have you back. We're going to do more stuff and do this again. But let's wrap up by having you give our listener what we call your three expert action steps. I learned this from Raymond, by the way. Eh? He used to do this thing called, um, uh, oh, my God, what was it called? Uh, he interviewed a successful people every month. What was it called, man? I forget it. I forget. I forget. It, it was a series. Um, but at the end of each episode with every expert, he would say, give us your top three expert action steps. These are your best pieces of advice to help my listener take their life, their health, their business to the wealth creator source. It was called the wealth creator source. The name came back to me. That was the name of his series. And so three oh, expert three action steps. So Matthew Mehoz, what are your three expert action steps for my listener to take on, to take their health, their life, their business to the next level. I think first one is surround yourself with the best people possible, both in your personal life and in your business life. It's like, I, I refer it to the compost. It's the soil that surrounds you. That is going to make you grow. So surround yourself with a rich, nutrient, dense soil of people. The second one is get on your health. Like I've been I've putting so much focus on, on getting, doing my workouts nearly every day. That has changed me my, so much. I get so much clarity, so much focus. I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping better. That's a huge one. And then third one is get a coach or somebody that can expel what you are here to do on this planet because you need a community of people to grow. I think this is genius, my friend. Absolute genius. Matthew Mehoz, it is a pleasure to have you here as a guest on the podcast. It is a, an honor to call you a friend. And uh, I'm grateful that you're uh, one of my clients and we're working together to help bring your message to a far wider group of people. What you do is important. The world needs you. You care. And um, it's an honor, my friend. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Nikki, for having me. This was so much fun. And uh, yeah, I think we can do this again. I love this. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll do it again for sure. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Matthew Mills, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode, be it iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or what have you. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.